Hey there, folks. Rob Hessler here with another episode of Art on the Air, my weekly Savannah morning news and do Savannah special. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Have an awesome interview lined up for you with the animatic Titty Bats. His first name is Matt. He asked me not to reveal his last name. He likes to stay a bit under the radar, but you probably know him. He's got over 120,000 followers on Instagram. He's very well known in the Savannah art scene. He's got a space over at Sulphur Studios, and we got a chance to talk all about his work, how Titty Bats got originally started, and what he's been up to lately and in the past year plus during the pandemic. It was a really great conversation, and I'll admit he sort of defied my expectations as to who he was as a person, and I bet you he will do the same for you as well. So I'm going to enjoy sharing that with you. Wanted to mention, as always, you can catch past episodes of Art on the Air and my corresponding Art Off the Air column, as well as all of the writing that I do for Do Savannah and the Savannah Morning News at savannahnow.com in the entertainment section and in the lifestyle section for the Sunday column. Last week, I spoke with Kevin Block about the Savannah Artist Collective 2.0 and did a piece about Juneteenth over at Telfair Museums. And this week, I've got another piece about Thomas Mitz and Emmy Dudley, their show, New Paintings, over at Cedar House Gallery. So you can find that, again, at savannahnow.com. Dot com in the entertainment section. Let's get to this interview. Again, this is Matt, a.k.a. Titty Bats, talking all about his process, his philosophy, and everything that he is doing. Enjoy. Like, and in being in here, you know, like, I mean, I've been in the space before, but it's been a long time, and, like, I would have to be reflecting on something from way back when, but, like, you know, like, with all the um, the action figures and, and like, the way the space is set up, like, it, that matters, you know, it's, I think it's, you know, each artist has their own way, and yeah. it's cool, so. Yeah, like, I like to be surrounded with junk all the time because if I hit like a moment well I've been a creative block for what seems like two years now but when I need something I can just look at all my my stuff and and kind of pull from there it's like oh yeah these are all the things I like so I guess we could talk about the creative block a little bit because I I did want to mention so the last time I remember I guess a piece that I saw of yours that I really liked because I mean you have your own thing that you do I mean like you're independent you're not like here in savannah and relying upon like galleries or right. any of that you do your own thing and but i did see a piece that you did after you had broken your arm <laughs> and you had the action figure of yourself in the cast at right. a gallery at a location gallery show and that was probably about two years ago i would say is that's that... about right yeah so i mean i don't know maybe i'm drawing some connections or whatever but like I mean, let's talk about a creative block because, you know, you've got like over 100,000 followers on Instagram. Like, I think people would think of you as, you know, being super creative. And we're talking, we're going to talk about the <laughs> the Best Artist in Savannah Award and, and a little bit about that as, as well. But like, I think one of the things I like to talk about on the radio show and talk about in general, it's like people that are like, we get a lot of young artists who listen to the show. Right. And so they're like, they assume that if somebody is like a known name that they're just like, they've got their together like all the time. And it's like, you know, 
is so far from together. Um, I have no idea what I'm doing most of the time, but I find things things that work. And I guess more than an illustrator, I am I make stuff because I, I don't make a drawing just to make a drawing. Ninety nine times out of a hundred, it becomes a pin or a mm-hmm. patch or a t shirt. So because I have a huge following, there's there's over a hundred thousand people there. And a good chunk of them come through and buy stuff. I spend more time as like my own shipping department than I am creating things. So the block comes from, okay, if I'm going to draw something, this is going to have to be a product, which has its own set of challenges. Yeah. Because I, I like to think that I'm drawing for me all the time, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm creating something that hopefully I can sell and, and you know pay my mortgage. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you have to be sustainable. I mean, that's like part of it. You know what I mean? You're not like an artist who's like living with some rich person who's paying your bills and you can just do whatever you want. Right. No, that would be nice. But uh, my partner's a teacher, so <laughs> she's not paying my bills. Since you brought it up, I mean, I, I and we were kind of talking about, you know, you're thinking about it as a product. Let, why don't we just talk a little bit about titty bats and and all of that because you say most people kind of know you and i think people know what titty bats is and like sort of what you make and what you do but i don't know that many people including myself kind of know you know how you started doing that like where did that come from like i mean you created a brand here but obviously you weren't at one point starting out and saying well i've got to make a product for these hundred thousand instagram product followers uh So I want to say it was 2014 or 2015. Like, none of this is written down, so it's all a little fuzzy. But um, I was just drawing with some friends at a bar, and we were asking the bartender for suggestions what we should draw, like, on napkins. Because we were bored, our friends were playing pool. Uh, I think we were drawing dinosaurs with boobs, or, like, it was kind of like Mad Lib-style drawing. Uh And uh, that transitioned to drawing bats with boobs. Don't know why. But that's what we were doing. Uh, so then we, you know, we drew them, and we were really satisfied with ourselves. And we said, you know, we should give each other tattoos of this. Um, <laughs> and and then I think we all forgot about it for a month or two. And then I kept on doing it because I have this like brain. You you've probably noticed I draw a lot of the same things over and over. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, variations on a theme, but this that's with boobs things stuck with me so kept drawing it kept drawing it kept drawing it and i didn't want to put this on my social media a because i wasn't an artist uh b i had a full-time job where i was in a management role and i didn't want my employees to see me putting these dumb drawings out there right so i made an instagram account and i just called it titty bats and I fully expected it to be deleted within a week because you can't put titty in your name on social media. Or so I thought. I, I always feel like I'm going to get in trouble for something, but I never do. So I did it, and, you know, along came 50 followers, and I was really excited. Mm-hmm. Then came 100 followers, and you don't know where they're coming from because it's just the Internet. And at a certain point, people started asking me, hey, can you draw something for me? Like, I'll trade you some stickers. I'll send you five bucks. And I'm like, I got nothing going on. So sure. 
Uh, and it, it just kind of progressed that way. I mean, I was drawing t-shirts by hand with Sharpies, thinking that was something people wanted, and, and they did. I probably sold five or ten of them. Um, <laughs> and that just caught, sort of transitioned into more physical things. Like, around that time, enamel pens started happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, I'm not a big flare person. I don't really wear a lot of that stuff. But I really like the medium because you could take a simple drawing and you've got, you know, a one inch, a two inch piece. So something that worked perfectly for my art because it was really simple. Uh, an outline, some color, and doop, you're done. So I did that. And when I sold out of the first two or three that I made, I just took the money from that two or three and I said, well, I can make nine now. And then when I sold out of yeah. nine, I was like, well, I can make, I, I can make a lot more, but I can also put some money away. So I started squirreling money away as I did that. And it got to the point where about a year and a half into doing this, I was making more selling tchotchkes of my drawings <laughs> than I was at my real job. So I started on the plan to start paying off my bills right. uh, to where I'm only left with my monthly utility payments and my mortgage. And then maybe I can survive as an artist for a couple of years. Uh, I quit my job in 2016 in August. So almost five years like this grift seems to be working. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, I, you know what the funny thing is though is that and I don't think I'm alone in feeling this way. And I mean, you know, like I've been here since 2011, so like I was here before you know, you started doing this. Right. But I just sort of feel like you've always been here. I don't know if that's just like a way, like, I, I mean, cause I was kind of surprised you said 2014, 2015. And I guess maybe like, if I really think about it, that makes sense. But it's like, it also feels like you, I mean, you're like, you've been doing it for five years, but you feel like totally entrenched in that icon. Like that, that. Which is weird to hear. I don't, I don't know if I'd roll with icon, but. I mean, for Savannah though, you don't think so? I mean. Big fish, small pond. There did get to be a point where people knew I was doing it and I'd get recognized so I couldn't sneak into a restaurant without somebody saying, hey, titty bats, which is super embarrassing. But it's also <laughs> cool because somebody is, like, recognizing what I do. But I don't know if icon's the right word. All right, well, then, like, we'll say you're a known artist in, in Savannah. Like, in, in, the, in the same sort of context of, like, you know, when you think of people that have been here and working for a long time, I kind of, although you're working in a totally different genre, I sort of think of you in that same, in that same way, like, like Jose Ray or, or Catherine Sando or like these people or, or Troy Ronzel who we're that talking about before. Pictures of Savannah. Yes, always there. exactly. Yeah. So I kind of think of it like that, like in the art community, but in your own particular niche, but like, so it's kind of surprising to me here where you've been on your own for five years because, I mean, that actually could be kind of inspiring to people that are out there listening who are like, oh, I'm... Right. Because you're the way you're talking about it, it's not like you're like, I had some big plan. You're like, literally drew a character on a napkin. Right. <laughs> but that's kind of how I've always done things. I just kind of fumble through life hoping I'm making the right choices. But more than anything, not wanting to have a real job. So... 
being the kind of artist where I know my originals are not going to sell for much. It's constantly the scramble of, okay, draw something, merchandise it, what do people want? Um, I mentioned the enamel pens because I was making them for a pretty long time. I haven't made a new one in two years. Wow. And it's just because so many people found that medium that the market is just... Yeah, flooded. it's everywhere, yeah. Um, and it's know. easy to do for anybody at this point. Right. I mean, super easy. Which is awesome. Like, nothing should be unattainable, but as somebody who's trying to survive, I've got to find something else. So I started printing t-shirts, which is great because t-shirt is a timeless thing. Like nobody will ever stop buying t-shirts, at least people like us. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're both wearing like, like weird graphic, graphic tees. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so that's another way you can mass produce your art and just, just keep plugging along. And being able to do it myself, it's great because if I make if I make a shirt, because I'm usually making things for me, not not always thinking about what's going to sell, but would I wear this? Is this something I want to have? So if I make five or ten and it bombs, I'll wash out the screen and start over again. But if it does well, cool, I've got the screen and I can make as many yeah. shirts as I need to. That's, that's interesting. That's the grift. Well, I also noticed, though, that, you know, like, kind of like looking around, you know, we mentioned at the very beginning of this where we were talking about how, you know, sometimes you feel a little bit, you know, or you've been in a bit of a funk or a bit of a, a lull as far as creativity goes here. But you mentioned how you're trying to make something maybe that people would like, but you're obviously drawing inspiration from maybe a certain level of nostalgia, your own personal background. So maybe talk a little bit about that because... Man, that's a lot of figures that you have up on here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm just like an average nerd. Uh, I'm really into comic books. I'm really into cartoons. I'm really into old horror movies. Uh, and I'm really into animals. And that's the kind of stuff that comes together, I guess, to create whatever, whatever it is I'm doing. Um, Trash Panda and knife, knife Cat up on the wall there. Now, is Knife Cat, that's Ujis's, isn't it? So, Ujis did that drawing for me a few years ago, uh, and we printed a shirt together. But, yeah, Knife Cat was one of my things. Oh, okay. And I've sort of abandoned naming things like that, but a lot of, a lot of the drawings I did that found traction were things I pulled out of old sketchbooks, and it's like, Here's a cat with a knife. And around that time, as my following was grew growing, I would get a lot of fan art. So I would oh. post my drawing and then I would post a bunch of fan art. Which is really easy. It's like titty bats, uh, knife cat, stab ghost, which is just a ghost with <laughs> knives. Like they're all things that if you told a four year old to draw them, they would do an okay job. <laughs> Yeah. So, but it also would be like awesome. Yeah. I mean, like that's like the kind of stuff that we drew like when we were kids. Like, right. Like here's a king cobra with a knife, maybe, or like you yeah, know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, like yeah. there's just stuff that we just like you when you're a kid. You think like, what's awesome? A king cobra, or what's awesome? A bat. Oh, you know what's even better? Or a cat, like with a knife. It's even right. better. Well, everything with a knife, or 
everything with like a denim vest on. I mean, I think I probably stopped maturing at about 13. <laughs> and and that's the reason that all this is happening. Well, it's interesting. Um, I was speaking with a local tattoo artist and artist, um, uh, Jimmy Butcher. And I don't know if you know Jimmy at all. I don't. But, you know, he owns the, the Butcher tattoo sh- shop up on um, Bay Street. And we were kind of talking about how, like, so a lot of this stuff that you're drawing inspiration from, you could have done this 20 years ago and nobody would care because, like, the people that were buying it were our age and we none of us had any money. Right. And now, like, there's people who, like, and I imagine about it, a lot of the people who are buying your stuff are, like, people who, like, they work at, as, like, a computer programmer or, like, you know, as an accountant or as a manager, like you were. Right. And they love that stuff because it reminds them of, like, being a kid and, like, the stuff that they wish they would, like, that they were drawing back when they were, right. like, a kid. And a lot of times I'll, I'll be interested to see who's buying things. And I imagine anybody who does a lot of shipping will do this. But, you know, I've got my, my browser sitting there. So it's like, all right, who's this person? Why are they buying my stuff? And you see a lot of the stuff you would expect, like nerd culture people um but then you get like a lawyer Mm -hmm. or a doctor or a teacher and it's like what why do they need this what is going on in their brain but maybe that's it i mean and i I, because i wonder that's that was one of the things that jimmy made the point of was that like well now those people like now we have money like well, we don't but right. people who are like our age and stuff they have money so like people like us who are artists who are like touching on those topics and subjects like there is now actually people who want that stuff who have money right and i touched on this maybe not with you i talked about it with somebody else but there's a big difference in buying a couple hundred dollar piece of art or buying a 20 dollar t-shirt or a 10 dollar patch it's really easy to double click through online after you see something like you see a drawing you like wow that would be cool if there was something well you can now just click through somebody's profile see that there's a store if that thing you like is there you don't really have to think too hard about spending $20 yeah 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 so yeah and also like i think that now too i think that there is an interest in I mean, I don't want to get too... Maybe I'm also, like, I'm in it because, like, I'm always talking to artists and, like, this is so... I, My information is coming from other artists. But I think that there are also, like, lots of people who just want to buy something that seems, like, a little bit more genuine than, like, going to Target and buying their knockoff Star Wars shirts or oh, something definitely. like that. You know yeah. what I mean? So they want something like that. So 20 bucks going to Titty Bats, it means a lot more. Like, people want... Like, me, I mean, I'm, like... All of my stuff is, like, totally random. Like, I probably have, like, six gray-faced t-shirts, right. you know what I mean? Because, like, I'd much rather wear that stuff and, like, know, kind of know the people to a certain extent. Even if I don't know them personally, just, like, be able to kind of connect with them on social media or whatever. And I don't think I'm out of that out of the ordinary. I think, like, even though I am a big nerd and, like, that's a part of who I am, I think that a lot of people are kind of, like, looking for that authenticity that is accessible now that wasn't really accessible necessarily before, like, 
I don't know, maybe 10 years ago or so even. Well, I mean, when I was a teenager and, and going through my high school art phase, it was really easy to find artists you like, but not find anything. You couldn't just buy merchandise from an right. artist or especially the stuff you were seeing in books because there wasn't really an internet like we know it yet. There wasn't, there was no way to see any of this stuff unless you lived in the town of that person and maybe they were doing a comic con or an art fair. And plus it was a pain. Like even if you wanted something, like it wasn't easy to get. Like even if you could, I remember um, one night a friend of mine had a Danzig t-shirt that he loved this Danzig t-shirt. Right. And he and I literally spent hours going to stores looking for this Danzig t-shirt at like, you know, these like, record shops and stuff like that because right. you couldn't just be like well let me go on the internet and find this shirt you know what i mean like oh, and that's a mainstream thing those, uh this was actually a part of my development but if you had like spin magazine or rolling stone oh, for sure yeah you could send in a self-addressed stamped envelope and they get the catalog that had all these t-shirts that you could buy so then you would just stare at the hundreds of <laughs> <laughs> shirts you could buy, but even then it wasn't photos. It would be like drawings of the illustration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you yeah. didn't exactly know. That's so fascinating. Well, look, I want to transition here because we've been talking for a little bit here, and I and I let's let's um let's pick at the wound here, and we'll talk about this best visual artist award here. Right. Okay. So the exact quote is: "Pardon the terrible art of Savannah's <laughs> best visual artist." And the runner-up was Panhandle Slim, who's the perpetual winner here in Savannah. He probably should have won. I, I guess Jose won last year. Have. Jose Ray won last year. So, um, so, so you won, and you know, pardon the the terrible art of Savannah's best visual artist. Why is that wrong? Why are they wrong when they say that? I don't think they're they're necessarily wrong. I think that it was poorly researched. Um, I think whoever was writing the blurbs for all those awards, uh, if they didn't know what something was, they just went to a Facebook page and quoted it. And I think at the time my Facebook bio said, terrible artist, I'm sorry. Which they kind of spun around into part of the terrible art of this artist. But since I've never talked to anybody from the Connect, I don't think that's really their place. Uh, that's like me, if I wake up in the, the morning and look in the mirror and say, you know, I, I feel fat today. That's entirely different than you coming to me and saying, man, Matt, you look, you're looking chubby. <laughs> right. Um, right. They're not in on the joke. Right. Because is, they don't know you. They're it, like, it's a really long way of saying like my self deprecation is, is mine. It's not for you. So, to be given an award, an award that I shouldn't have received, along with, like, pardon the terrible art of, of titty bats, like, that's kind of bittersweet. So. Well, I also think, to a certain extent, it undermines, like, so, okay, maybe you think you don't deserve it or whatever, but, I mean, like I kind of described you as sort of a fixture in, in context of those other artists that I named uh, it, within your own particular genre of art that you're doing, like, it is a certain level of, like, well, here's recognition in spite of all of the flaws of that particular, you know, rag that, that is right. doing that. It's like a certain level of recognition, and to me, the whole purpose of that 
is to be like celebratory, like, hey, there's this cool thing, and like, you know, I know as as an art person, like, Jose is a friend of mine, and I've got to know him pretty well, like, and and I and I love talking to him, and so when he won that last year, in spite of the fact that it was like from that newspaper, which is whatever. But it was recognition he deserved. Yeah, and I was like, good for you, man. Awesome. Congrats. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it's kind of like when that it doesn't feel like so congratulations, when it, happened, you know? when it happened for me, I, I feel like Savannah was collectively scratching their head. Like, what is this? You know, not that that many people pay attention to it, but when I saw it, uh, because somebody posted it online before the awards. Yeah, yeah. Lives. It was like on Reddit and stuff like that a little bit early. I thought I was being trolled. I was like, who, who did this? Because I hadn't, I hadn't heard anything from, from that magazine. Uh, and typically, when when you win, they contact you. They tell you when the party's going to be. You come. And I, I never heard anything from them. So that was a weird day. But as as it got attention, because, you know, Jim shared it, Stone Stairs shared it, which I I definitely gulped when that happened, because the reactions to his posts aren't usually the kind of thing that would go in my favor. But it brought in this flood of Savannah people, which I think most artists would be stoked to have. But when when normies find me, it's usually not the best thing. They usually get a bunch of stuff reported, or they come and they leave right away. But maybe some new people found me because of it. Well, but I... Yeah, so that's actually kind of what I was going to transition to, because I thought, like, the way that the quote-unquote award went was, like, BS. But actually, what was kind of cool was sort of the outpouring of support after the fact. Like you mentioned, right. Jim Marikas posting it up, and then, like, you know, I shared it, and, and there were some, a number of people who were like, yeah, like, that's BS. And, you know, like, and I think a lot of people were engaging with it, and maybe, like, engaging with your work in a way that wouldn't have happened if it would have just kind of flown under the radar and just been another line in, like, the best of. Right, and I definitely felt more local support than I ever have, which I didn't expect. Well, it's interesting because you're kind of back here in this space, and, you know, you mentioned, like, before we started the interview that, like, we hadn't really met, like, personally before, although I had been in the space before and I had talked to you a little bit, but we hadn't, like, formally met before. So, like... I think that there's a lot of people like me who kind of know what you're doing and are interested in what you're doing, but aren't necessarily like engage with you on a regular basis because you're back in your space, right? I doing spend your thing and all my time hiding. And when it comes to say doing a first Friday or something, there are always a lot of people in here. But I think it's because one of the it's one of the bigger studios, so people come back here and they group and they cluster and they're all talking to each other. And I'm just kind of doing my best to hide from everybody because I'm not really a people person but that's that was my social outlet every month mm-hmm. well it's going to start up again soon so I'm sort of curious now that you're um, you've got an award you're an award winner I don't see the plaque on your wall no um, I had somebody else <laughs> pick it up for me I'm going to get it but I probably won't frame it up but obviously though you know people are going to be 
coming back into space soon. Um, you know, obviously they're talking about now you can be unmasked, you're vaccinated inside, and, you know, things will start rolling again. Right. Sulfur is getting ready to have, you know, they're starting to have openings again. They've got a big Juneteenth show coming up, um, which by the time that this airs actually is already gone, it's already ongoing, and I know there's a lot of new artists have moved into the space too, so there's kind of, in a way, that sucks because you've lost some artists, but on the other hand, it's an influx of new energy that when you get new people coming right. into the space and everything like that. So kind of to round off this interview, I mean, what do you sort of think, you know, sort of going forward, you've been back here, you, you said that you've been in a little bit of a funk for the last couple of years. Like, where are you at? Like, now that you're going to start having people come back in here again. Um, I can clean this place up. <laughs> but, but I mean, other than number that, one. Yeah. But, uh... Right now, I'm at my best when I'm I'm angry, and I spent the last two weeks angry, so I have been drawing more. But just just create more stuff, like hopefully something new. But like, no promises. That's I'll just keep doing what I do, and if times get bad, then I'll get a real job. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, but as as things start to open back up. Uh, I plan on doing more events because I was getting into a really good pattern of doing one or two outside events. Like shows and stuff? Like trade shows and stuff? Like that kind of thing? Well, comic conventions, Mm -hmm. um, punk rock flea markets are a big thing. Yeah. Uh, But anything within a six-hour drive, I'll go do it. I'll sleep in my truck. I'll sell stuff and hopefully come home with new fans and money to pay bills. <laughs> Alright, well, if people want to... If people don't know... I mean, your titty bat's on Instagram. It's in, th- in, easy Instagram is the only social media I really use. Uh, I have a Facebook. One of the things I have been doing... I can't really show it on the thing, but when I'm printing t-shirts, I will just juxtapose a bunch of prints together. Like, this is a good example, because there's two prints on one shirt. But it's really just because I'm at the end of one screen and going to another. Um, I don't think there's any artistic merit to something like this, but I've just been slamming these shirts together uh, because people were buying my test prints. Like, like initially it was shirts I used to clean out the screen between prints. I'd put up five or six a week, and they would sell out. So that transition to... I come up with about 30 or 40 of these every week, like all one of a kind, but different juxtapositions yeah, of yeah, my yeah. prints, and people are buying them. And I don't know if they're buying them because it's a one of a kind thing for me, from me, or if they're wearing it, but, and it doesn't feel like art because it's just like, I'm just screen printing in multiple places on a shirt, but I guess it is. I guess that's been how I've been fighting through the block. That's interesting you say it doesn't feel like art. I mean, it's art to me. I Look, you just showed me one of the shirts, and you know our listeners can't right, see right, right. that. But, I mean, how the juxtaposition... I mean, you know, you think about even, like, the history of art. Like, juxtaposing objects together is art. Like, it's an right. whole art form in and of itself. I mean, so it maybe doesn't feel like art in the sense of sitting down and, like, making a drawing that becomes a pin or becomes a shirt or whatever it becomes... It's still like, you know. I think it would be defined as art, right? Uh, maybe is that design. I don't. I don't know. It, 
it all kind of when you have like imposter syndrome I'm sure you've discussed that with somebody before yeah a little bit um, none of it feels like art like none of it feels like something you should be doing that's so that's really fascinating it's really fascinating well look I um, appreciate you spending some time with me finally get, getting you to come onto the show here after all these um, years I a guess a couple years of asking yeah <laughs> I think David asked me at one point if that <laughs> and then I, I was trying to I know that you were but you it was before the pandemic you were really busy with doing the events and traveling and stuff at that time right. so we didn't really connect um, I think it was when Ujis came on and co-hosted with me for something or other and I was trying to convince you to come on by getting Ujis to be the co-host so that way you would at least have a an ally, but um. I think this is better because he probably would have tortured me. <laughs> That's actually very true. He's a good. He's a good. Um, he's a really smart artist, though. Actually, and I I really appreciated that. I, he is, but he knows exactly what bothers me, so he knows what buttons to push. <laughs> All right. Well, then we'll have to follow up with another interview at some point. Yeah, we'll do a roundtable. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. Listen every Wednesday for our live show, broadcasting from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on 107.5 FM, Savannah Soundings, and worldwide at WRUU.org. And you can catch past episodes on the WRUU station archives on our website, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll talk to you next week, where we'll have another batch of art on the air.